Coming up, today's guest is a mobile marketing executive with years of experience growing mobile first companies in the dating, music, gaming, and fitness industries. We talk about key metrics a data scientist can help you with, retention strategies, and how he's using email marketing to keep users engaged and learn why they've churned. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Want to double your downloads using ASO? Check out appmastersacademy.com to discover our exact ASO strategies to grow your downloads. That's appmastersacademy.com. Calculate your app's LTV and predict your mobile app's cash flow over the next year with Pollen VC's LTV Calculator. Learn more by visiting ltvcalculator.pollen.vc. Welcome to today's episode of App Masters with Steve Young. Today's guest is Matt Sadowski, Chief Growth Officer and CMO of Studio. <laughs> what is up, App Nation? I had Matt do this because he's a voice actor and I had no idea. So super cool, Matt. How did you get into voice acting, dude? Um, I had always liked to impersonate different TV characters. Yeah. And uh, I would do it. And then someone was like, hey, you know, you could get paid for doing that. And I was like, oh, cool. Uh, then I did college radio and everyone was like, you have such a great voice for radio. So I kind of did a little bit of character work, a little bit of commercial work. So uh, I, I, I double as a marketer and a voice actor. That is so cool. I've met you a couple of times. And I'm like, I wish we had more time <laughs> together. Maybe it's the drinks. That's when it really comes out. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't drink. I do this completely oh, okay. sober. All right. Well, just the cocktail. Hour. I try not <laughs> yeah, to drink cocktail. anymore. I'll have kombucha. Okay. That's what I, that's what I drink now. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, thank you for coming on. As he said, this is Matt, Matt Sandowski. He is the chief growth officer and CMO at studio. Go check him out. It is studio.live. So they are a fitness type of app. Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about Studio? Yeah. So the company's been around for a little over two years now, and they're, the company's really trying to change the way that people do fitness. So it is a entertainment-driven fitness platform. So we have six full-time instructors. Uh, one of them was the first head instructor at Peloton. She's now our chief content officer. One was a former child actor. So really cool, entertaining, fun instructors. Uh, we produce six to 15 right now high quality video instructor led workouts every single day across running, treadmill, sculpt, stretching, and other modalities soon to come. And it's a very gamified experience. So it connects with your Apple Watch. You can see your heart rate throughout the entire thing. You can earn Fitcoin by doing workouts and you can use those Fitcoin to get prizes. So it's a very fun entertainment uh, rewards driven uh, fitness platform. And it's a subscription platform too. Yeah, we're going to learn more about some of like your strategies that you've been able to use to drive growth through some of the monetization strategies. And Matt, you know, like a lot of times, like in the beginning of this podcast, like this is like seven years in, I talked a lot about growth and I feel like right now it's all about retention. It's all about monetization. What are your thoughts on like how you start approaching this stuff now? Yeah. I mean, as a guy who, you know, my entire background really has been focused in user acquisition. I know firsthand that it's starting to become less and less important to have that huge user acquisition team. 
when I was at Tilting Point, you know, I think we built one of the first in-house machine learning optimization systems for uh, user acquisition optimization. And because of that, we were managing a $40 million budget with a seven-person team. Wow. You know, and I think every day, I actually saw an article this morning talking about is, are UA teams being diminished? And I, I think it's true. I think it's just, you know, uh, at title, you know, we had a 10 to $20 million budget and only had two people managing that. So, you know, the days of needing huge teams for user acquisition are gone, but what you can't really automate is retention. So I really hope we see more companies kind of move resources towards that rather than just cut the budget. And then just for, the, for those who are not maybe in tune, a lot of my <clears throat> audience is a little bit more like indies or founders. So they might not have that $40 million budget, Matt, sure. but <clears throat> you're saying that things are moving away because of all the programmatic adver- advertising that's involved. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Facebook now with campaign budget optimization and them wanting you to go with super broad audiences. So you don't even need to get super granular anymore. It's not that hard to manage Facebook. Uh, Apple will pretty much manage your Apple search ads for you. Google UAC does it all for you. So the the triopoly of those three is almost completely hands off at this point. And then if you want to bring on a managed DSP, a managed network, an affiliate program, all of those could be managed out, you know, through those platforms. So you don't need you don't even need an agency. You could really just have one person doing this in house if you're talking about spending you know a couple hundred thousand dollars a month or a year even. What growth channel have you found to be the most effective out of all the ones you just listed? I hate to keep on saying this, but Facebook. Really? <laughs> Still, Facebook huh? Suite. Still is. You know, just the targeting capabilities there, just, you know, you can't find that anywhere else. I think Snapchat's trying to catch up a little bit. Their demographic's getting a little bit older, has a little bit more money now. Uh, Google, a lot of limitations on the platform. It's funny how they went from having full Google AdWords to this UAC black box. Looks like they're slowly starting to, to pull back a little bit. Uh, I actually even had somebody at Google t- tell me that their product team has admitted that they got a little bit too ambitious with UAC. So, you know, I, I think it's still Facebook at the end of the day. Um, Apple search ads, a lot of the performance comes from branded keywords. So you're playing more defense than offense there. Uh, affiliate networks have a lot of fraud in them. Waterfall networks have a lot of fraud in them. DSPs are hard to scale. So at the end of the day, Facebook is still bread and butter from kind of the digital landscape. Now, I had somebody else who was talking about Facebook ID matching and lookalike campaigns. What are you guys using in terms of targeting? Are you just letting Facebook kind of run and do its thing? Yeah, well, it's funny. Just, you know, two years ago, we used to do really specific, like we had a 1% lookalike and then a 2% and then a 3 and then a 4 now we run like a 5% and a 5 to 10% and then a couple of interest groups and then that's it. So instead of having 20 ad sets per country, we might be running four or five. So it's really kind of broadened out and that's on the recommendation of Facebook. The more removed from Facebook you want to do your targeting. So let's say a Facebook campaign that's optimized for clicks, you could go very narrow on that. You know, you could do a 1% and even probably cut that down by interests. But if you're going to be doing return on ad spend optimization or custom event CPA optimization, Facebook really recommends that you go with a broad audience because the cadence of that event occurring is much lower than a click. So it needs a larger pool of users to be able to optimize. 
I know UA teams and you know growth people like you, you're more focused because the targeting's there. You're more focused on that creative optimization. So correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. But like, how have you found, what have you found to be most effective in terms of creative optimization? Yeah, so I think this is something that a lot of companies fall into a trap with. And I think there's, there's two things here. One, they don't invest in creative enough. Uh, at Tidal, I built out a small in-house creative team that was just dedicated to or, towards making social ads uh, and, and, and other digital ad placements. And that's because, you know, great, you have this creative team that's making, you know, things for your website. It's making things for your physical product if you have that. It's making things for billboards if you do those type of things. It's emails, all these different areas. You really, if you're spending any meaningful amount of money, you should be pumping out completely new creative directions every single week. I think that kind of goes into the second issue that a lot of people have is they tend to go, oh, I made this ad. It worked really well. Let me change it so that the copy says this instead, or let me change it so that the button's blue on this. At the end of the day, unless you are spending so much money and have so many resources that you can start diving in really specific like that, go super broad. Instead of saying, let me change this color or button, or let me change this copy, let me try an illustration. Let me go hire a photographer and let's go do some cool photo shoots. Try drastically different directions until you know it resonates. Why do you, I mean, I, I, I deal with this all the time too, man. Like why do people get so caught up in the little details rather than the broad strokes? Why do you think that happens? It's a good question. I, I think a big part of it is as much as marketers who are going underneath the growth label like to say that they perfectly toe the line between creative and data. I think at the end of the day, we're all kind of more on the data side than we are on the creative side. And just to be frank, I think it's just a lack of creativity. And if you don't have an in-house creative director, which is managing all of your marketing uh, efforts, and if you don't have a growth person who could sit there and say, hey, creative director, make sure you go really broad with this. I don't want to narrow in. Well, then, you know, I'm sitting here managing my Facebook campaigns and doing my Google campaigns and talking to a couple of direct affiliates. Oh, crap. Now I need to come up with a couple of ad ideas. Uh, let me change this color. You know, I don't have time to sit there and come up with a whole concept and hire a crew and, and hold auditions if I'm doing a live action shoot. It's, it's a lot of work. So... But that's really where you make a big difference. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And I think so many times, like, I see people are like, hey, which icon do you like the best? And it's like subtle differences, you know, like the way you're talking about, like, oh, blue versus red. Like, you need dramatic differences, and then you can hone in on some of the color. And a lot of times, like, no, nobody's going to notice the color elements either. No. And look, that's not to say that you can't find that random thing that has a huge impact, right? Like, maybe changing the background from blue to white actually is huge. But more often than not, you know, the bigger changes are going to come with, with bigger variations. So let's move on to this, Matt. How have you sort of streamlined this whole process in terms of using machine learning and then streamlining the process of and optimizing both user acquisition and retention? Yeah, so talk a little bit about the user acquisition side. I guess uh, focus more on what I did at Tilting Point and what I'm going to be looking to, to rebuild now at, at that studio is... Pretty much we had a data scientist who built out machine learning uh, based LTV projection model. And then we'd pull in the real cost data from every single source that we were running on. And once a day, it would run a query at normally the ad set level and say, okay, the predicted LTV is this, the cost per, per install is this, therefore let's make this type of bid adjustment and this type of budget adjustment. 
pretty, and we built that for Facebook, Iron Source, Apple Search Ads, Google, a um, bunch of different platforms, really just one by the end, two data scientists. Then the user acquisition manager, really what they're doing is helping optimize the machine, going in, making a few manual updates here and there, really focusing on creative, which we know is the bigger driver. And nowadays, you know, do you even need that complex of a model when Facebook and Google are doing such of a heavy lift for you? Even now, you can maybe even pull out a little bit more and just focus more on a media mix model rather than trying to optimize each individual ad set. So well, I think... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, so I was going to say, so I think the user acquisition side at this point has been very streamlined and with some good tech resources or even bringing on a consultant for a while, you can streamline it even further. Yeah, I feel like data scientists is like the big thing now. Like most of these bigger companies, you got to have a data scientist. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was Zillow Group. The user acquisition team actually reports to the head of AI. Wow. That's yeah. insane. At least yeah. a couple of years ago, that was true. Yeah, I was. I mean, I, I put this article together because I talked to so many people in the space and I was like, okay, here's like the seven tips from user acquisition from the experts, people I've interviewed on the podcast. And it was just that, like data scientists, like you got to have one now. So is this more of like analytic person who comes from statistics? Like what is a real data scientist? Yeah, a real data scientist. Look, you don't need somebody who's super fancy, you know, but you want somebody who at, at a minimum can do a regression model you know, relatively straightforward. If you want to get into, if you have a really complex data set with a ton of different indicators, let's say you're a mobile game and you're tracking 30 events that fire in the first day, then maybe you want to go and and get somebody who knows some really deep techniques, can build out things like uh, a deep learning model, which kind of learns over time, which different events have different impacts towards your ultimate goal and kind of weigh those differently in the model. But I, I think most app, you know, most most companies don't need that level of complexity to get to a point where they're uh, improving at least on what they're doing. That's on the new user acquisition side. On the retention side, it, it's a lot of the same stuff, you know. But there's so many things that fall into retention. There's pricing strategy. There's messaging strategy. There's product strategy. And it's really hard to dedicate resources to all that. So it's actually perfect timing today. Uh, a company I advised for called ClearBrain, which is trying to democratize uh, machine learning for kind of retention, segmentation, and causation, actually just rolled out their platform today. Nice. Uh, and it's actually free to use um, as well, which is really cool. So, you know, I'm a big proponent of do everything in-house you can, but when it's free, it's not a bad platform to use. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'd love an intro if you yeah, oh, absolutely. Love to bring them on too. So when you're talking about, let's, let's move on because retention is something that I wanted to talk about. But actually, let me do this, Matt. Like when you're thinking about working with the data scientists, like to the audience who's starting to grow now, right? Like now I may be able to afford to bring somebody like this on. What are the key metrics that they're like, hey, data scientists, like this is what I need you to sort of pull together for me? This is a dumb question there. No, no. It, 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 I think it depends on what stage of a business you're at. If you have the resources to dedicate that data scientist to retaining your current user base, if you have a decent sized user base, you know, have that data scientist dive in on indicators of churn, likelihood to churn analysis, um, what events typically drive higher lifetime value users. And not only that, is it is it causation or correlation as well? Um, actually, a big part of what the ClearBrain tool is is based on that causation versus correlation question. 
because those are the biggest things. You know, I see all the time people go, hey, I saw that people who open up emails on Tuesday mornings are more likely to, to be long-term you know, customers. Well, is it that just people who are up early in the morning maybe tend to be working out more, so therefore they're likely to renew longer on a workout app? Or is it likely that just if we just send everybody emails at 6 a.m. on Tuesday, we'll have a much higher retention? Most likely not a true causation there. It's most likely just correlation. Mm. So, you know, I, I would say definitely have your data scientists try to dive in on those things earlier than the, the lifetime value stuff and the user acquisition stuff. Okay, now moving on to retention, you talked about it's either the pricing, the messaging. Where do you fo- what do you like to focus on first when you're trying to think about retention and improving that metric? It's a good question. I think it really depends on where you are at the business. You know, when I came into studio, I updated our in-app surveys that we have. I launched an NPS survey. Um, actually, have now three surveys going for different users uh, at different stages of the life cycle. And I started doing user testing. I'm using a website called Try My UI to get a sense of where people are having frustrations and really diving in on things that I'm getting in that product feedback. And you know, sat down with my CEO. We looked at everything. We said, "Hey, here are the three things that people are complaining complaining about the most." A you know, a good amount of people, probably about 15 to 20% of people churn because of price. You know, we, we, we're a business. We you know we have to make money. We have to stay open. Um, so we're actually coming up with something really cool and different, which uh, we'll be hopefully announcing in Q1 on uh, shaking up the industry a little bit more and making a little bit more accessible. I'll leave it at that. Um, another thing we found out was that, you know, now that we have hundreds of workouts on the app, the UI is becoming cluttered and it's hard for people to find the right workout. So, you know, me and the CEO sat down and said, okay, well, let's address all those things. And then the last thing was, you know, some, some technical issues, you know, some, some crash rates, uh, issues. So, you know, sat down with the CTO and said, Hey, we have to address these. So from a product standpoint, you could survey it, you could do UI testing, you could learn on that front. Messaging is more complex, you know, goes back to that causation correlation question. We just actually moved over to Iterable as our new messaging platform. Um, really excited to just extensively A-B test everything. I don't want to send an email. I don't want to send a push notification or an in-app without having at least one variant tested against it. Um, and then at least once a month, I'm going to want to come up with some completely new type of touch point for the user that I actually think is going to be high value. Um, and if you don't know what a good high value touch point is, Come up with a couple, send out a survey to your users. Say, hey, what type of, what do you want to hear from us? You know, do you want a weekly recap of your workouts? Do you want to um, have a newsletter where we combined workouts and food recommendations for that week? You know, your users will tell you what you need to do to retain them. Just listen to your users at the end of the day. When you're doing these surveys, is it just through email? Uh, no, so we're actually using in-app for the surveys. Oh, cool. So I'm surfacing a little in-app message that says, hey, would love it if you could take two minutes to answer a few questions for us, link to a Google form, and then it'll open up an in-app web browser where they can fill out that Google form. I try to keep it to under 10 questions normally. Yeah. Uh, we've seen great response. We've had about a 20% completion rate from send on the survey. So, um, you know, really great feedback from the NPS to the more comprehensive surveys. Now, I want to get into that survey a little bit because I'm so fascinated by what to ask, you know, how often to ask and when to ask. So how do you think about segmentation on who to send this survey to? 
Yeah, so we do our NPS survey at uh, after you have been on post-trial for a week. So it's either a seven or 14-day trial, depending on which plan you take. So we survey you at about the 21-day mark. Um, that point, you know, the people who tried it and didn't like it, we know aren't going to use it or gone. We can get a sense of, okay, the people who had the best chance of keeping, how do they really feel about the product? We ask them to rank um, how likely they are to recommend on a score of zero to 10. And then we also ask them to provide any feedback they have for the app. And I actually put a little blurb in there that says, we will read every single response. And I think putting that in there actually got a really high percentage of people to, to leave written feedback, probably about 80%, which is great. Um, so we do that there. And then we do a more com comprehensive survey for anyone who's taken more than 40 workouts. Wow. So this is now someone who's done quite a bit. This is also for me selfishly to get some numbers to use in marketing. Um, so, you know, question I ask is how many times a week do you work out with studio? Uh, I then ask you what your primary goal is for working out. And then I ask you, have you achieved that goal? You know, I found out that people who work out three or more times a week using studio are 32% more likely to say that they're reaching their weight loss goals. Wow. Right. So A, that's super exciting for us to know as a company that, okay, people who use it are actually hitting their goals. Um, also great for marketing, right? Going to plaster that everywhere I can. So. I like how you're so data driven because every I think every I've seen a couple of different presentations from you now. It's all about data. Like everything is just about this. The survey questions, is there one that you're like extremely proud of? Like, hey, I thought of this new question. I haven't seen this anywhere else. I'm willing to share this <laughs> with the App Masters audience. No, you know, because I think at the end of the day, it's just be just, I think people get afraid to ask what people really think sometimes. Yeah. You know, people tend to be like give very limited choices, like which one of these three do you have a problem with? And it's the three you know you want to lean people towards. And that's just the the pollster's bias, right? So I think really just stepping back and saying, okay, what are all the things people could be complaining about? Let me get the honest opinion on all of this because maybe I'm ignoring something just because it's something that personally I don't want to know that people don't like, right? So um, I think at the end of the day, just be brutally honest. If you don't trust yourself to build the survey, ask somebody else to build it for you. Hey, Matt, I want to talk about email because you, you kind of brought it up. Like, hey, if I send this on Tuesday morning, I can get a you know, better conversion rate. Are you guys utilizing email marketing? Because I've been talking about using email to, as a retention strategy, right? Like a, as a tactic. How have you guys approached email marketing? Yeah, so we do use email at Studio. We use a couple of different ways. One is to get people back who've churned. Obviously, it's, it's kind of the more traditional, I think, use of it. That one is pretty standard. I think there's a lot of testing we could do there. The other is to get people who've entered their email address but never started a trial to come back and actually start a trial. And then the last one is to send out large company updates, any large product changes, um, and also to send out a weekly newsletter that we do. Now, this was kind of all in place before I joined. I've only been at the company for about three months now. So the next iteration of this is driving product-led initiatives through email. So I think a big thing for me is going to be a monthly recap, right? Here's your 27, 27, that's a lot of workouts in a month. <laughs> um, here's your six workouts you did with Studio this month. You know, we estimate you've burned this many calories, you've burned this many Fitcoin, um, you know, try to get nine next month, right? And um, maybe we throw a bonus in the email. You get a hundred bonus Bitcoin by clicking on this link in the email. Try to get more engagement, more encouragement. Um, we also ask people on the onboarding flow why you sign up. Do you sign up because you want to lose weight? Do you want to run a 5K? Um, are you, do you just not want to be bored while working out? 
So we haven't really done much with that yet, but now we can start, you know, tailoring that message to, hey, you don't want to be bored. Here's our most popular class this week. People are loving it. Um, you want to run a 5K? Here's our, here's our new zero to 5K program. You want to lose weight? Here's tips for losing weight. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm shaking my head like, yes, you know, this is <laughs> definitely something that you guys, like everybody should get intelligent on because it's funny, I emailed my list and I was like, hey, you know, email, like that's how you bring, we're taught. Because I, I surveyed them too. I was like, hey, do you want to hear more about growth? You want to hear more about retention? What do you want to hear from me? And they're like, growth and retention, obviously. And I was like, well, retention, email, use email. And the guy's like, oh, email's dead. Nobody reads them. I'm like, well, you just responded to me, dude. <laughs> He's like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> so, but when you were talking about who's churn, who just signed up, like, you know, who's on a trial, who signed up but didn't go on a trial, how, do you fi- how are you figuring that stuff out? Like, who are these users? Are you using a tool to figure all that stuff out? Yeah, so we use Segment as our data pipeline. So we are logging quite a few events. I think after the next phase of updates I'm making to our analytics, we'll probably be logging about 30 different events that occur. So we'll see if you downloaded the app. We'll see if you entered your email. And then we'll know that if you didn't fire a trial event, you didn't fire a trial event. Um, And we're logging that. We're pushing that to both iterable, which is what we're using for messaging, and adjust, which we're using for mobile attribution. So we can then either retarget through those messaging platforms or retarget with advertisements by pushing that data from adjust to, let's say, a remerge um, to, to run retargeting ads. Yeah. That's really cool. The churned, is that through segment as well? Like they have, I know CleverTap had something where they can kind of see when somebody has uninstalled the app. How are they kind of figuring out what the churn? Because I'm assuming that you're saying, when you say churn, like they sort of like stopped using the app where they've possibly have deleted the app as well. Well, there's two different types of churn when it comes to a subscription business. There are the people who just cancel subscriptions, right? right? That's an easy churn. The other type of churn is people who are still paying that haven't used it in a while. Now, technically, they're still paying us. So how much you want to engage with them is always a fun ethical question. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, if they are churned from your business and paying you, you know, I, I think a lot of people would say it's better to have them engaged in paying than not engaged in paying. So those are kind of the two different buckets of, of churned. Um, the latter is harder to measure. I think you kind of just have to pick a benchmark that okay, if most of your users work out at least three times a month and this person hasn't worked out in two months, do you consider that churned? Possibly. How are you guys approaching the other churn where people cancel? Is that the churn that you were kind of talking about? Like, hey, let's focus on these guys? Yeah, I mean, that, that you know, it's hard, right? Because when people leave, they're leaving for a reason. Yeah. You know, just, I think a lot of people go, oh, somebody unsubscribed, let me throw an ad in front of them that says, try again. <laughs> you know, that's not going to be super effective. So I think, because I, I love surveying and getting data, I think the next iteration of something I want to explore, probably something in Q1, just because I don't have the time in Q4, is really getting a better understanding of why every single user is leaving. You had crash rate issues? Okay, if that's the main reason why you left, I'll send you an email that says, hey, our app now works better than ever, crash-free when we get there. Um, if you left because you didn't want to pay anymore, well, we're going to have an exciting update in Q1 for you. Um, if you left because, you know, you didn't like any of the instructors, maybe we added a new instructor and I email you, hey, come check out our brand new instructor. That's much more impactful than, you know, throwing up a 300 by 50 banner ad that says, come back and try studio again. 
Yeah, I think, you know, like when people talk about churn, they always want to talk about like, how do we bring them back? And I'm always more like, how do we understand why they left first? And yeah, foremost, right. And sometimes you just got to ask them. <laughs> it's that I, simple, I think, really, right? I think people just sit there and they scratch their heads and they go, oh man, I wish I knew how to talk to these people. Ask them, they'll tell you. Um, and, you know, eventually you could start building out propensity models. You know, once you have enough data that says, okay, this group of users left because of price. This group of users left because of, um, they didn't like the classes. Maybe there's similarities across that. Maybe the price group is a very young group that doesn't have the disposable income. Maybe the doesn't like the classes group is an older group that maybe doesn't feel like this more modern style and, and youthful style of teaching doesn't really resonate with them. You know, maybe I'm completely wrong on both of those. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, you'll start finding similarities. You can start building messages. You can start preemptively messaging when you get to that point. Now, of course, this takes months and months and months of data and, and iteration to get to, but there's no reason why you can't. Okay. I want to move on to something fun, voice acting. Cool. All right. Who was somebody that you liked to imitate when you were younger? Oh, man. Um, when I was younger, I used to try to imitate the characters on Scooby-Doo. Oh, nice. And then uh, Jar Jar Binks was probably the first one that I really dove into and, and nailed. So, <laughs> How did you get into voice acting? Like, what did you do? Like, I know there are things that you have to audition. Like, what do you do? Yeah. So nowadays, it's pretty much all digital. There's a bunch of websites like Voices.com, Voice123. Oh, um, voice bunny upwork. Yep. I've even done voiceover work through there. Um, and some referral stuff as well. I prefer doing character stuff, but I will do the commercial stuff like I did on the open. So yeah, that sounds fun, man. That's really cool. Hey, do you have any tips for somebody who might be wanting to start a podcast for me? I, I want to host a game show. Like that's my ideal Ooh. job. <laughs> yeah. Like I've learned that, you know, obviously if you talk with a smile, you'll, you always sound more energetic, but like what, what, if, what little tips, the nuanced tips that have you learned about, like maybe even just projecting something so that people like to hear your voice? Yeah. Uh, I think just have fun. I, I think if you just genuinely, gen, genuinely care about what you're talking about and are having fun about what you're talking about and feel confident in what you're talking about, that'll all come through. You know, uh, I think at the end of the day, if, and, and, and there's some great things you could do. Um, I, I have a friend who is trying to become a little bit better at public speaking. So me and him have been doing improv classes once a month together. Nice. Um, you know, just getting out there and getting more comfortable talking to people and doing the unexpected. Like I have no script for today. You have no script for today, right? We're just kind of free balling. So uh, we improv this. Uh, except the difference with this and improv is everything we said today is true. <laughs> 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 yes <laughs> that's true <laughs> i like that i've never taken i've been always wanting to take an improv class but for some reason i've just never done it because obviously i live in the suburbs i mean I and mean, you're, you're in new york right yeah yeah so it's, it's nice i'm like oh man that would be so much fun like if i was in san francisco i actually looked up an improv class and I'm like this would be so much fun too yeah. to do oh anything you've learned from the improv class what anything you've learned oh um oh there's actually some great applications of improv to marketing uh, there's two that really stand out to me. One is the concept of yes and, which is if somebody says something, it's true. And what can you add to that? Right? So, okay, I have a fitness app and it's entertaining and we have instructors and, and you keep on building on it and you start uncovering all these additional things and they don't live in a silo. They're building a bigger story. So yes, and is a great concept that can apply. And then also the concept of A to C, um, you know, concept of A to C says, okay, if somebody yells out a suggestion of trains, we don't want to see 40 scenes about trains. 
you know, maybe trains make you think of train conductors, which makes you think of a flight attendant, which makes you think about going to Costa Rica. Mm. So now somebody said trains and you're doing a scene about Costa Rica. Interesting. In marketing, I have a fitness app. Fitness app makes me think of being healthy. Being healthy makes me think of high energy. What does high energy mean in an ad? Right. So it kind of allows you to expand and, and think about things not so direct and, and kind of get some of those creative juices flowing outside of what's directly in front of you. I didn't think you would take it that route, but that's awesome, <laughs> dude. I love it. I love those analogies. Yeah. Improv's great. Uh, I've been doing it now for two years. So it's definitely a lot. Yeah. That's really cool. Hey, anything else you want to talk about, Matt? Oh, man. I could talk all day, but <laughs> I know. Well, like I said, we'll have you back. I'll do that no. podcast where we just have fun with it. All right. Dude, well, perfect. before we hit the big finish, I do want to thank my sponsor, Pollen.vc. Look, guys, it takes a while for you up to almost 60 days for you to get paid by your ad networks, by the app stores itself. And so if you want to reinvest, if you've done the email marketing, you've done all the data scientists, you've hired somebody, you know all the metrics, you want to bring them back and you want to reinvest the hard-earned money that you've earned and you want to reinvest in user acquisition, well, Pollen.vc, they're going to give you access to those funds a lot earlier. So it allows you, but make sure, kind of like what Matt talked about, make sure you have everything locked and loaded, you're profitable. And then once you have that, then go to pollen.vc if you want to get access to your funds to reinvest quicker. So it is a cool technology. There's others out there, but right now they're the ones I'm working with. It is pollen.vc. Once again, pollen.vc. Matt, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. So besides the awesome studio app, give us one other app we should definitely check out. One other app you should definitely check out. Um, you know, I feel like a cop-out would, would be uh, to say to... Uh, use LinkedIn because that's my my go to all the time. But um, I like a, a game that I've, <laughs> yeah, um, a game that I've actually found really interesting um, has been a bowling game that's uh, part of the Skills platform. Uh, skills lets you kind of do competitive games where you bet cash against people. So um, you know, I'm not a big bowler in person, but I've always enjoyed the concept of bowling. So I play dollar games every once in a while through there. Nice. So you just go through the skills platform skills has, do they have an app or do they, it's just, a no, platform. it's a, it's a platform that different apps plug into. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if they develop all the apps and they've developed some of them, but you know, I, you know, each person puts in a dollar, the winner gets a dollar 40. That's really cool. The end, what is, they, what's the bowling app called? Oh, I forgot. Now I don't have my phone. Okay. On. That's what I was wondering. I, been, I was like, I've had skills, skills on the podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You type in bowling and skills. I'm sure it'll come up. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll get that from you later. Anyways. Hey, what's your favorite tool that you like to use from a UA perspective? My favorite tool from the UA perspective, uh, on the user acquisition side, I really am a huge fan of adjust. I think from their fraud suite to their actual attribution tool to the dashboards, which I know they don't think is their strong point, but I actually think they're great. Um, on install tracking, I mean, there's just so much in there that you can use. And, you know, there's this perception on the market that they're more expensive than the other platforms. But I think at the end of the day, they're all about the same price. So uh, they're by far, I think, my favorite user acquisition tool. What's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? Lesson that took me the longest to learn. Ooh, that would probably be that my opinion is irrelevant. <laughs> at the end of the day, the data will tell you what is right. Your users will tell you what is right. You know, I was talking to my CEO about the design of a of something that we're working on. And, you know, he had one idea for the design. I had a different idea for the design. You know, I was ultimately like, hey, look, let's start with your idea. But if 
it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And if my idea doesn't work, it doesn't work. He's like, right, maybe the actual design that we use is one that neither of us came up with and it's a completely different third design, right? So I think it's not getting too tied down to any single idea and just admitting that, you know, everything that we do is educated guesses until we get educated on the guess. I love that, man. The app is called Studio. So just search for it in the app store. You're going to find it right there. If you want to check them out on the web, it is studio.live. And if you want to connect with Matt, go to LinkedIn. Matt, do you want to send the listener, the watcher anywhere else? Um, if you're interested in ClearBrain, which is the really cool causation uh, and app and web analytics platform that I advise for, they just launched today. Again, most of the features are free. If you want to use some of their premium features, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'll hook you up with $1,000 in free credit for their premium. Wow, features. I like that. Yeah. And the website is clearbrain.com. Uh, that's awesome. Matt, thank you so much. And I'd love to have you back on and do this other podcast I've been stewing up for a very long time. <laughs> no, thanks for having me. This was great. All right. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you on the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.